If you have your Bibles, open it to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to be focusing on verses 26 and 27, but as you can see in verse 26, it starts off with in the same way. And so we're actually going to start in verse 22 because that's going to help us to see what he means by the same way. And so join with me in Romans 8, starting at verse 22. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and they'll bring one to you as we're going along. Verse 22, it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So as Paul starts off this portion, and those of you who were there Thursday night, please forgive me, I I am in a sense going to be sharing a lot of the same things I felt it was something that was powerful and necessary for us all to hear, and hopefully it'll be a little bit more clear than it was Thursday, and I'm sure it'll be different because I don't remember what I said five minutes ago, let alone Thursday. But Paul starts off here and he says, in the same way, and he had just got through telling us that hope helps us in our suffering, that we go through all these things in our life, but it's worth it because there is hope, something that is going to be revealed in us and to us. And how important that hope is, and we spoke about that last week as well. And think of it in this way. When you go into a hospital and you hear screams of pain and agony, well, if you are in the maternity ward, it's a lot different than in the pediatric ward. Because in the maternity ward, you know what is coming. They're screaming because a baby is going to be born, and then there is going to be the relief. But in another ward of the hospital, you are not aware of what's going on. And so the pain is different because there isn't that same hope. And in that same way that there is hope that helps us through our suffering, he tells us that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Some translations say infirmities. I I like the translation weakness because I, I feel it captures what he's trying to say. And here Paul is bringing in the Holy Spirit again. He's been present throughout this chapter. In fact, it is said in the book of Romans that chapter 8 is the Pentecost of the book of Romans. And here we see the 
the person of the Holy Spirit once again working. And we need to recognize that this is a person. This is not an energy. All the times that the Spirit of God is mentioned, it's in a very personal way. And just in this chapter alone, we see in verse 2, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set you free from the law of sin and death. In verse 4, we read that the spirit helps you fulfill the just requirements of the law. Verse 6, he told us that the spirit gives life and peace. Verse 11, God will raise you from the dead by the spirit who dwells in you, just as he raised Jesus from the dead. Verse 13, the spirit helps you Put to death the deeds of the body or the deeds of the flesh. Verse 14, he says, the children of God are led by the Spirit. 15 and 16, the Spirit bears witness in us that we are the children of God and so gives us assurance of our salvation. In verse 23, the Holy Spirit is the foretaste and guarantee of our final redemption. He is the down payment given to us saying, I'll come back for you later. I'll pick you up. And so we see this working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And now here in verses 26 and 27, we see that the Spirit helps us when we don't know what to pray for as we should. Remember when Jesus rose again from the dead and he was going to leave. And he said, it's necessary for you that I go. Because when I leave, I will send the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who will lead you in all things. That he would not leave us as orphans. He would not abandon us. And when Jesus is saying, I am going to leave, it is for your good. In other words, it's better for us that he left. Now, it's hard for me to imagine how is it better that Jesus left? I would like Jesus here still. But he would only be able to be in one place at one time and his church would be packed out all the time. You couldn't find parking. But he has left us the person of the Holy Spirit that is able to take where he left off and continue that work. And I wonder if we recognize how valuable the Spirit is working in our lives. I wonder if we recognize the important role that he plays. And I hope this morning to be able to, to bring that to light in a little bit because it's an interesting thing as he starts saying the Spirit is going to intercede for us. And I want to look at what that means. First, I want to look at what does the Holy Spirit pray? Because it says there that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So what does the Holy Spirit pray? And, and first of all, notice this fact. In fact, that the way the Spirit helps us is in our weakness, namely by praying for us. Do you realize the Spirit is praying for you? 
He helps us in our weaknesses. Now, it tells us a few things about what he prays. And we know this even by inference. In other words, the things that we don't know how to pray for. The Spirit prays for the things that we don't know how to pray for. Well, that eliminates a lot of things because there's a lot of things we do know how to pray for. I know how to pray for weakness, for patience, for strength, for love for somebody. I know how to pray for those things that I know I ought to do. So he's not talking about the things we know how to pray for. He's talking about something else. He's talking about the things that we actually don't know how to pray for. And that's where the idea of weakness comes in because this is our humanity that falls short of being able to understand what it is God is really doing. In Romans 6.19, it says, I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. There are limitations that you and I have naturally just because we're human. And so he tells us that he prays for the things that we don't know how to pray for. He tells us that there are things that can't, we can't ask for because of our weakness. And so again, we know the things we can pray for. This is something you can't pray for because of that weakness that you have of being human, being limited. And he also tells us that they are according to the will of God. What are the things that we don't know how to pray for? How do we, how does the Spirit intercede for us in these things? We, we know we're limited and we don't know all the will of God and, and what things that aren't clear. There are of vast areas in our own lives where we come to a place where we just say, I don't know. Anyone ever been there? Anyone ever come to that place and you say, well, God, I'd like you to do this, but I don't know if that's best. In places of healing, or do I endure it? Remember, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times, Lord, take this from me. Nevertheless, not my will, your be done. And he said, my grace is enough for you. In other words, you're going to go through this. It is better for you. And Paul said so. It was better for him that he went through this infirmity. Well, how does he know? He doesn't. God had to reveal to him what to do. When you're praying for your children, you know, right now, three of our boys are out of the home. And our desire as parents is that they would have a close relationship with God because that's important. I would rather they had that than be successful. I'd rather they had that than be, quote, happy. Because if they're evil and happy, that's not a good thing. They're greedy and happy. That I, I don't want my kids to be that. I want them to have a close relationship with God. So what is going to lead them into that close relationship? One of our boys has been without, a work, without work for a while. 
And so we've been praying. God, give him work. What if that's not the best thing for him? What if he needed to go through a time of not working so that it would help him understand a dependency and cry out to God? What what should I pray for? God, don't give him work? No, no, I want him to have work, but God, I, I want him to be close to you. How should I pray? I don't know. I don't know the future. I don't know what's the best in these circumstances. In these circumstances. But God, you do. You do know what is best. And so I can have assurance that you are going to lead me and guide me in the way that is right. You are going to direct these areas. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 22 and 24, Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Here's Paul having a should I stay or should I go moment. He comes to this place and goes, I really want to go, but you know what? I think it's really good that I stay. What should I do? Should I stay? Should I go? I, I don't know. The Spirit himself intercedes, directs, and guides Paul in these things. Persecution. When you're going through times of trouble, should you stay in a situation or should you leave? I know of a, a certain man who was down in Colombia. And it got very difficult down there and very dangerous with the drug cartel that was in the village that he was at. And he left. Now, sometimes God has you stay. But sometimes he has you leave. Sometimes Paul stayed and dealt with persecution. Sometimes they let him down in a basket over the wall. What do you do? How do you know? John Bunyan, who was a pastor and famous for writing Pilgrim's Progress, and if you haven't read that book, you really need to. I suggest you getting a modern English version because it was written in Old English. And if you're like me, you'll think you're reading Shakespeare or something, and you're just like... I don't know what that just meant. I actually read the children's version, and it, it, I highly recommend it. Uh, I read it to my kids, you know. I just got something out of it as well. But John Bunyan, he was in prison for 12 years for conscience sake. He could have gotten out if he would have agreed not to preach the gospel. They would have released him. He had a wife and four children. One of his children was blind. It wasn't an easy decision for him to stay in that situation, to stay in prison for conscience sake, or to get out and take care of his family was the choice that he had to make. And in that prison cell, he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, which is 
a classic. He wrote another book called Advice to Sufferers. It's a smaller book, and in it he says, this is quote, so this is the old English, thou mayest do in this as it is in thine heart. If it is in thy heart to fly, fly. It means to run away. If it isn't, if it be in thy heart to stand, stand. Anything but a denial of the truth. He that flies has warrant to do so. He that stands has warrant to do. Yea, the same man may both fly and stand as the call and working of God with his heart may be. And he goes on and he gives some examples. He said, Moses fled in Exodus 2.15. Moses stood in Hebrews 11.27. David fled in 1 Samuel 9.12. David stood in 1 Samuel 24.8. Jeremiah fled in Jeremiah 37.11-12. Jeremiah stood in Jeremiah 38:17 Christ withdrew himself Luke 19:10 Christ stood John 18:1 through 8 Paul fled 2 Corinthians 11:33 Paul stood Acts 20:22 20, 23 So what should I do The Bible says I can stay the Bible says I can go what should I do? Help me. Be encouraged. The Spirit Himself is interceding for you in this area where you do not know because you don't know the future, I don't know the future, but we can pray and we can be led by God and we need to be encouraged. You see, you guys, there has to come a time in our life where this faith of ours becomes something that is real enough to affect our lives in everyday situations. There, there has to come a time where we come to this crossroads where we don't know and we have faith that God is at work and he does know. And Paul is writing this to encourage us that when you come to that place of should I stay or should I go, that the Spirit himself is interceding for you, that he's working. And I want you to be encouraged in a number of things. Be encouraged because you are not expected to know the will of God. Is that comfort anyone else besides me? When my wife says, what should we do? And I can say, I don't know. Why? Because I don't know. I don't know the will of God. You don't know the will of God in all circumstances. What should I do? Should I take this job that's going to move me out of the state? Or should I stay in this job where I'm at and the kids are in school? I don't know. And guess what? You don't have to know either. But I need to know. No, you don't need to know. You want to know. And be encouraged. You're not expected to know the whole will of God. Be encouraged that in your groaning and perplexity, you are not being watched, but you are being understood. 
God is not on the outside saying, you better make the right choice. He doesn't have that clipboard in the sky watching you. Hmm. Click, you know, nope. So, well, that one's going to cost you 10 years, you know. <laughs> God is not up there watching you. God is there understanding you and the things that you are going through. He's identifying with where you are at. You have an advocate, someone who is on your side, the helper, the comforter. He's there for you at times like this. He is interceding for you. Be encouraged. God's work for you is not limited or dependent on what you can figure out or understand. Hallelujah for this one. Because I'm finding the older I get, the less I know, the less I understand. And it's amazing how every 10 years I do this check of my life and see, where was I 10 years ago? And I look back and say, you know, 10 years ago, I was a jerk. I was pretty silly and stupid in my eyes. I was kind of out there. You're saying, wait till the next 10 years, you'll, you'll see it again. Well, that, that's true. But you see, God is working on me, and, and it's not dependent on what I can figure out or understand. And be encouraged that in your weakness, hardship, and pain, the Spirit is for you, not against you. That he is wanting what is best for you. That if the Spirit of Christ dwells in you, then he is going to move heaven and earth to get you where you need to be. And you might think, this is a hard road. This is difficult. John Bunyan was in prison for 12 years. I've shared with you about the man in China who was in prison for 10 years. It's not an easy road. But the Spirit is with you, moving you in the right directions. Be encouraged that God always hears the prayer of the Spirit. The prayer is for you, is always heard, and always answered. That should make you say, all right. When my kids were younger... And that learning to ride on two-wheeler time comes. You know, the training wheels, you have to adjust them. And then you raise them a little higher so they have a little bit more room. And then pretty soon, you know, you take them off. The day comes. I'm getting rid of the training wheels. And there you are behind them, running for your life. <laughs> running for their life, really. <laughs> and as they're pedaling and going on, and you're there behind them, and, and, you know, all my kids did pretty good except my daughter. She's not here, so I'm going to talk about her right now. <laughs> Every time I would let go of that bike, she was like a magnet to a car. She'd be in the middle of the street and all of a sudden, you know, and she'd just be going right for the car. And I'd have to run and grab it and I'd have to steer her this way. And she'd be thinking, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And I'd be out of breath and running, you know, and just like, I hope you do it better soon, you know. 
because all she kept doing was heading for those cars. It was like a ping pong, you know, or a pinball tournament. She was just like car to car to car to car to street. You know, that was kind of her two-wheel experience. And it never really changed as far as I know. It never got too much better. I think I just got tired of running. <laughs> okay, you're not made to ride bikes. Let's try skates. But you see, she was riding the bike, and she was doing all she can. And when she was heading for the car, you know, I tell her, turn, turn, turn. And she wouldn't quite know how to turn. She wasn't quite coordinated. And I'd grab the seat, and I'd start to move her. Our lives are like that. I find myself heading for the car. I find myself not knowing what to do. I find myself just in desperate times. And God wants me to know, I've got the seat. I'll steer you. I'll get you out of the real danger. It might be difficult. You know, sometimes you've got to get up that hill and it's hard. And you're pedaling all you've got and he's helping you. And he's going to get you there. He's letting you know, I've got the seat. And I don't get tired. And I'll steer you where you need to go. And every now and then our lives will start going and we say, God, I don't know what to do. I'm at a crossroads in my life and I'm just desperate for you. And he says, I've got it. I don't want to make the wrong decision, God. I don't want my life to be despair. I don't want to waste 10 years of my life. And God says, it's okay, I got it. He's got you. And when you don't know what to do, he does. And he's going to steer you the right way. He is interceding for you, and he knows the will of God. He knows the right thing. And he's for you. I hope you are overwhelmed with comfort that the one who sees the future is interceding for you. The one who knows is guiding your life. How does the Spirit pray for us? It says, with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. I love that translation. Now, Has anyone experienced this? Has anyone experienced this kind of prayer of groaning that words don't quite, they're not enough? Has anyone been there? I feel like Beth Moore now. You hear me? (laughs) You ladies know what I'm talking about. Is anybody with me on this? Sorry. I think we all have an understanding of what this is. Where we come to those places in our lives and we groan. And who's groaning? Well, it's ours. The Holy Spirit doesn't need to groan. This is identifying with our weakness that he talked about, how creation groans and we with creation groan, wait for our redemption of our bodies. We have this 
weakness that we're dealing with. And so we come to these places where we just don't know and we groan. And the Spirit searches the heart. That's our heart. The Spirit who knows the mind of God, or God, he who knows the the mind of the Spirit, searches the heart. It says in verse 27, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Our heart is the theater where this is taking place, is, is the center point of our life. And that's where the groaning takes place, and that's where the Spirit voices to God. And God knows the mind of the Spirit. And this is one of those things where how does this work? The Holy Spirit is God, but God is God. Why is this taking place? And that's our our next question is, why does the Holy Spirit pray for us in this way? I mean, why does he need to pray for us at all? He already knows. Just cut out the middleman. And I think a lot of us have this attitude with prayer. I know I get it at times. Well, God, you already know. I don't need to pray. And we don't understand that the theater of our life is where something needs to take place. Yeah, God knows, but he wants us to know as well. And the whole reason of why this is taking place or why the Spirit is praying is because God is trying to involve us in his work. And 1 Peter 4.11, it says, If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. You see, what God is trying to do is connect us with him and his work so that he can be glorified in us. And so this is taking place in the theater of our hearts to to produce praise within our lives that honors God. And he's trying to commune with us. And so we come to this place and we don't know what to do. And we groan within us and the Spirit says, this is what we need to do, God. This is where they're at. Let's go this direction. He's doing us to involve us with the work of God. You and I need to pray because we need the work of God to take place within our lives. Prayer is not getting God to do what we want. Prayer is getting God in our lives so that we are directed by him, so that we are yielded to him, so that we understand and are guided by him. That's what it's for. But I know we, we go to the other place where prayer is, I need this. Prayer, I need that. Prayer is, I need this. And I don't know how many times we pray for things that we don't need and God grabs the seat and goes, oh, no, I ain't giving you that. That would devastate you. Are you kidding me? God intercedes for us. But you know what? If we want to head for that car... We can. And a lot of times that's what we want to do. We want to go for the car. You know, God's saying, no, don't go. And he's trying to tear. No, I'm going to go for the car. And boom, you hit the car. Okay, let's try it again. But you see, 
the reason the Spirit prays for us in this way is to connect us to himself. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that we are to pray continually, without ceasing. Do you know how my prayer sounds continually? It sounds like this. Help. What I do? Help. God, help. God, help. I'm serious. I'm a desperate man. I don't know what I should do all the time. I, I, I need direction. I need help. And all these things are me saying, God, help. Help direct my life. I don't know what to do. I'm taking this step. God, I trust you. I trust you. And the Spirit, he knows the will of God, and he connects to us to produce praise within our lives that God can be glory, glorified. You know, God wants to be glorified not for his sake, but for ours. It's not that God is up there in heaven, you know, some prima donna saying, yes, give me glory, more, more, more. Remember when Jesus stood before Lazarus' tomb and he was praying out loud so that we could hear, he said, Father, I'm glad that this is happening so that they can know that you hear me always. Jesus wasn't saying, see me. He was saying, you need to see me. For your sake, you need to understand me. For our sake, we need to give God glory. It's why we were created. And so it's not like God's up there saying, yes, give me more praise. He's saying, you need to see who I am and give me honor. You need it. How can I get to that place, God? How can I get to this place where I'm in this world and I can give you honor through all the junk, through all the pains, the suffering, through the weaknesses? He says, the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, he will intercede on your behalf with groanings that you can't put into words. For he knows the mind of the Spirit, and he is working within your heart to accomplish God's will in your life. I want you to leave here this morning with the comfort of knowing that God has you, that those areas you don't understand, you don't need to try and figure them out. You have a Father in heaven who is interpreting your life and the needs that are there for what will be best for you. Trust Him. Don't take the reins. Don't take the steering wheel. Don't grab the handlebars and say, I've got it from here. I'm going this way. Wham! Okay, go ahead, take it. You can have the, the wheel back. Then we grab it again. Wait, I, 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 can go, I can take it from here. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go this way. Wham! Okay, God. How many cars do we have to hit? 
where we surrender our lives to him and allow him to direct us and believe that he is? When are we going to come to a place where faith is a way of life and not just something we talk about? I pray it would start this morning, that we would believe and know that he is there. Let's pray. Father, you have given us so much guidance through the scriptures of what we should or shouldn't do, how we should live or should not live. But Lord, we all know there are so many other areas where we just don't know. And Father, we don't need to know. What we need to know is that you, by your Holy Spirit, are interceding for us. And in those areas of our weakness, of our limitation, with groanings that can't be expressed, you are at work, directing our lives for the good. And Lord, I know that our interpretation of good and yours isn't always the same. And we know that yours is right. Help us to trust you. That even in the hard times, you haven't let go. You are still steering. And even if we crash into the car, you don't leave us. You don't abandon us. You take us right from there. And Lord, that's why the next verse says that you are able to work all things for the good. For those who love you. For those who have been called. Even when we crash, you can work it for good. Our lives are not out of your hands even when we make a mess of them, if we will but trust you with them. And so this morning, Lord, we once again surrender ourselves. This is a, a constant thing, God. I daily have to cry out to you for help. Lord, we cry out again and say, take my life, guide me, lead me. We need you. And we are so thankful that just like there is hope in suffering, we have your spirit helping us in our weaknesses. Thank you, God, for being there. I want to pray for those who are in a time of just weakness right now. You are maybe at a crossroads. You are dealing with situations that you're unsure of what to do, where to go. And you feel that groaning within you. I would like to lift these things up together just that the Lord would produce within our own hearts, the theater of our hearts, praise 
and honor to him. If you're here and, and you do find yourself in this situation and would like prayer, would you stand up so I can pray for you, pray with you? God bless you. Father, you see us who are standing, and Lord, you know the cries of our hearts. You know the depths of the circumstances we are in. And we are praying, Lord, that we would be aware of your Spirit's work within us. Lord, that we would pray to you, that we would cry out to you, even if it's not with words. It would just be help. It would just be, oh God, what do I do? It would not have to be even verbal, Lord, with words, but just an inward cry out to you saying, God, be my God, direct my life, lead me. And I pray the work of your Holy Spirit would take place within our hearts, Lord, that you would steer our lives in the right direction. And if we start to, to go off, Lord, that you would pull us back on course in whatever way is necessary, Lord. Help us where we are at. Strengthen us, Lord. And may we recognize that in this weakness you are here interceding for us and will accomplish your will within us. All we need to do is depend and trust and have faith in you. And I pray we would do so, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.